Tune Review, and Speaking to the Blind, celebrating 40 years of audio newspaper production. Welcome to this week's edition of the National Podcast, recorded at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre by our amazing volunteers. You can get in touch with us via Facebook, Twitter or Instagram using at Tune Review, that is at symbol C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. You can also contact us directly by emailing information at tunereview.com. That is I-N-F-O-R-M-A-T-I-O-N at symbol C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W.com or by calling 0141 772 3976. That's 0141 772 3976. This is from The National on Friday the 11th of August 2023. From the news section. Create bylaws to protect Scottish loch from development, locals say. This article is written by Zander Eliards. Campaigners have called for bylaws to be brought in to ensure legally binding protection for Loch Tay amid concerns about a US firm's plans to build a private holiday compound on its shores. The calls come as part of a list of requests sent to Discovery Land Company, DLC, by locals who say that they want to work with the firm to ensure the development of Taymouth Castle and the neighbouring Glenlyon estate ends with a beneficial outcome for all concerned. The Protect Loch Tay PLT group, which is more than 85,000 signatures on a petition looking to oppose overdevelopment at Kenmore, has sent the list of 15 requests to DLC in a letter seen by the National. PLT raised concerns about the use of Loch Tay amid suggestions that it could become a playground for the mega-rich. The group wrote, Tom Colopy stated that DLC currently have no plans for a marina, but when asked to guarantee that there would be no marina in the future, Mr Colopy could not give that guarantee. Colopy is the US firm's project manager for Tamworth Castle Development. The Tamworth Marina already exists at Kenmore. The PLT group have also requested a meeting with Michael Meldman and John Paul DeJuria, the ultimate owners of Tamworth Castle and Glen Lyon Estate, respectively. Their further 14 requests are DLC and Perth Kinross Council, which broadly supports the development, work to establish the bylaws for Loch Tay which confer meaningful and legally binding protection. They ask for a speed limit on the water, a guarantee of no further marinas and wardens to enforce the bylaws. A restriction on the number of helicopters flying in and out of the estate and a curfew on their use. DLC material has suggested that helicopters could be a regular form of transport for compound residents. A halt to further planning application on Tamworth Estate. PLT wrote, This project must have been deemed viable in the original consent and any further developments from here on would only be to maximise profit. Environmental commitments from DLC, including one not to use chemical treatments on its golf course, 
and an independent publicly published impact assessment of the development. Restoration of access to waters that locals could previously fish. The reopening as soon as practicable of Kenmore's public amenities, which are now in DLC ownership, including the shop, hotel and cafe. A full map of all ownerships and assets linked to the Tamworth Development DLC companies related to the Tamworth Development and any current negotiations underway for acquisition of land, properties, rights or assets of any kind. A full and complete list of owned land and properties with the owning company names listed. Regular public meetings with DLC representatives moving forward. A report on the social and economic impact of the development to be commissioned and made public on completion. An immediate halt to all unauthorised construction on any land, holding or properties of DLC and partners. A commitment to cooperate with Perth and Kinross Council and the Scottish Government to provide affordable housing in the region, primarily for employees on the estate. A commitment to fully honour all access throughout the entire Tamworth estate and retain core paths exactly as they were. And a commitment not to apply for permission to relocate Kenmore Primary School or purchase the building and playing fields. The school is located next to the main entry to the Tamworth estate. The calls go further than the list of requests which the SNP MP for Perth and Perthshire North, Pete Wishart, said came out of a public meeting held to canvas locals' views on the development in late July. At the time, Wishart said that the key principles to have come from the meeting were calls for better communication from DLC, a commitment not to develop a gated community, the reopening and continued free public access of facilities in Kenmore and the maintaining of core paths throughout the estate. Green MSP Mark Ruskell was among the voices also calling for an accountable master plan for the project to be shared publicly. A TLC spokesperson said, Despite our communications channels being open to all, Demands were directed to press in the first instance. We would encourage anyone with queries on the development to reach out via the Welcome to Tamworth website so we can respond. That article was written by Zander Eliards. This is from The National on Friday the 11th of August 2023 from the News section. Scottish Airport Climate Protest Set for Shooting Season Start This article is written by Laura Pollock A campaign group is set to protest against grouse shooting and private flights on one of the busiest days in the sports calendar as both are also disproportionately damaging and need to end. August the 12th, also known as the Glorious 12th, marks the first day of the red grouse shooting season. Extinction Rebellion's regional Dundee group is to gather at 11am on Saturday the 12th outside Dundee Airport for the Inglorious 12th demonstration. 
The group has said the shooting sport has huge environmental costs and people must demand cheaper, efficient, accessible public transport in the face of private and commercial jets. Dundee Airport is used for private and chartered flights, both providing campaigners with major concerns given aviation's contribution to the current climate disaster. While there is some uncertainty around the extent of land managed as Grousemore in Scotland, it is estimated to cover between 1 to 1.5 million hectares, 12% to 18% of the country's land mass. One campaigner called the use of land crazy, and even worse, people are flying in to do this killing. Anne Campbell, a retired midwife involved in the direction, said, It is crazy that 15% of Scotland's total land area should be given over to breeding animals just to be shot and even worse, people are flying in to do this killing. As an ex-midwife, I worry about the future of all the wee babies I delivered. I see planes coming into this airport as something that is destroying those kids' future. Flying has the biggest negative effect on the environment of any form of transport and here we have people flying into Dundee to kill birds for fun. Humans have created a blanket of pollution which is heating up and destroying our world. We need to take action to reduce this and put a stop to unnecessary flying. The proposed Wildlife Management and Muirbourne Bill, currently going through the Scottish Parliament, aims to stop the illegal persecution of birds of prey, by introducing a licensing regime for grouse moors. It will also further regulate or even ban the use of certain wildlife traps and extend the existing licensing regime for Muirburn. The RSPB's bird crime report from 2021 found there were 108 incidents of birds of prey persecution across the whole of the UK that year, with 71% linked to land managed for game bird shooting. One campaigner, Robbie Kelly, called the shifting of responsibility of the climate crisis to consumers as disingenuous, but said it is the consumer's responsibility to demand better transport options. He said, Yes, we urgently need system change to tackle climate change, and the disingenuous shifting of responsibility to consumers' lifestyle choices is just that. A disingenuous diversionary tactic aimed at maintaining the status quo. But one meaningful lifestyle choice a consumer can make is to demand cheaper, efficient, accessible public transport that actually works and is pleasant to use so that they can fly less. We have to talk openly about and dismantle the massive, largely hidden apparatus of subsidies that supports the oil and gas industries, and that keeps cheap flights in the air, among other things. That article was written by Laura Pollock. This is from The National on Friday the 11th of August 2023, from the Politics section. Top Scottish Judges Slam Tory attacks on lefty lawyers. This article is written by Hamish Morrison. Scotland's top judges have delivered a damning verdict on Tory attacks on lefty lawyers, 
accusing senior UK government figures of attempting to politicise the legal profession. In a submission to the Scottish Government's call for views on its plans to reform legal regulation, the Senators of the College of Justice, the judges who preside over Scotland's highest courts, singled out Prime Minister Rishi Sunak for recent comments which cast aspirations on lawyers in England. He said in a tweet that some lawyers were propping up a system of exploitation which profited from illegal migration in a post that sparked widespread outrage. Former Prime Minister Boris Johnson also made repeated attacks on the legal profession, accusing lawyers who challenged his policies in court of trying to frustrate the UK government for political ends. The group of judges were responding to a public consultation on the Scottish Government's proposed Regulation of Legal Services Scotland Bill and warned ministers their plans were a threat to the independent judiciary. Warnings that the UK Government was already engaging in political attacks on lawyers and judges, the group called on the Holyrood administration to stay out of the legal sphere. The submission read... The dangers of transferring aspects of regulatory power over the legal profession from the judiciary to the government, as proposed in this bill, cannot be overstated. Recently, we have seen attacks on lawyers by politicians who have, on multiple occasions, publicly criticised lefty activist lawyers for hamstringing the justice system by challenging the government in court. To give a recent example, on July the 25th, 2023, the Prime Minister said, The Labour Party, a subset of lawyers, criminal gangs, they're all on the same side, propping up a system of exploitation that profits from getting people to the UK illegally. In response, the Bar Council for England and Wales said, Lawyers are not beyond reproach, and all professions have individuals who commit misconduct and are dishonest. Regulators are there to discipline them. The comments made by the Prime Minister, however, are clearly an attempt to play politics with the legal profession. This damaging rhetoric undermines the rule of law, trust in lawyers and confidence in the UK legal system and is to be deplored. That illustrates why neither political nor government regulation is an appropriate model for regulation of the legal profession. It is of critical constitutional importance that there is an independent legal profession willing and able to stand up for the citizen against the government of the day. As it stands, the Lord President of the Court of Session, Lord Carloway, has sole regulatory power over the Scottish legal profession, independent from government and parliament, the Scottish Government's proposed bill would give ministers the powers to take into its own hands powers to control lawyers, according to the country's top judges. Their warning added the bill would remove aspects of the Court of Session's oversight of the legal profession and see the Scottish Government impose itself as a regulator of the legal profession. The statement, signed by all of Scotland's senior judiciary, went on These proposals are a threat to the independence of the legal profession and the judiciary. It is of critical constitutional importance 
that there is a legal profession which is willing and able to stand up for the citizen against the government of the day. The judiciary is fundamentally opposed to this attempt to bring the legal profession under political control. If the bill is passed in its current form, Scotland will be viewed internationally as a country whose legal system is open to political abuse. The Scottish Government's bill is informed by the recommendations of an independent review of the legal profession by Esther Roberton. The public consultation on the bill closed on August the 9th. That article was written by Hamish Morrison. From the National, Monday the 14th of August 2023, from the news section, Investigations are underway after the death of two teens. Article by Nicole Mitchell. Investigations are underway following the death of two teenagers over the weekend. At around 11.20pm on Saturday, August 12th, police were called to a report of an 18-year-old man taking on well at the Constable Road area of Croy. He was taken to University Hospital Monklands in Airdrie, where he was pronounced dead a short time later. Around three hours later, at 2.20am on Sunday, August 13th, police were made aware of another 18-year-old male taking on well at a premises in Eastfield Place, Glasgow. He was rushed to Queen Elizabeth University Hospital, where he was pronounced dead a short time later. The next of king of both men have been made aware, and officers say inquiries are ongoing to establish the full circumstances surrounding their deaths. It is understood police are working to establish whether the deaths may be linked, and one line of inquiry being considered is that the deaths were drugs-related. A Police Scotland spokesperson said, Around 11.20pm on Saturday, August 12, 2023, we were called to a report of a man taking it unwell in the Constantly Road area of Croy. Emergency services attended and an 18-year-old was taken to University Hospital Monklands in the Airdrie, where he was pronounced dead a short time later. Next of kin are aware and inquiries are ongoing to establish the full circumstances. They continued, Around 2.20am on Sunday, August 13, 2023, we were made aware that a man had become unwell at a premises on Eastfield Place, Glasgow. An 18-year-old was taken to the Queen Elizabeth University Hospital where he was pronounced dead a short time later. Next of kind have been informed and the inquiries are ongoing to establish the full circumstances. And that article is by Nicole Mitchell. From the National, Monday the 14th of August 2023. From the politics section, Keir Starmer slammed by SNP ahead of expected Scotland visit. Article by James Walker. The SNP have slammed Keir Starmer as a sellout ahead of his expected visit to Scotland on Monday. The party's deputy leader Keith Brown called on the Labour leader to scrap his support for Tory policies like Brexit and the bedroom tax. The MSP for Clackmannshire and Dublin also challenged Starmer to answer one simple question, what does the Labour Party stand for? It comes as the Labour Party and its leader have been criticised for a number of policy U-turns including that a Labour government will not scrap the two-child cap, an associated rape clause, or bedroom tax, despite previously calling it heinous and inhuman. Brown said, 
After abandoning almost every progressive principle and selling out ordinary people struggling with Westminster's cost of living crisis, there is simply one question Keir Starmer must answer on his fleeting visit to Scotland. What does the Labour Party actually stand for? It's becoming almost impossible for people across Scotland to see any difference between the Westminster parties as Starmer's pro-Brexit Labour continue to side with the Tories on all the key issues hammering households just now. From Brexit to the bedroom tax. Even senior Scottish Labour members are ducking and diving to hide from the scrutiny and Starmer's damaging right-wing plans for government. So how on earth can they expect people across Scotland to vote for it? If Keir Starmer wants to salvage any credibility in Scotland, then he must ditch this increasingly believable Tory Tribute Act and outline a positive case for Scotland's future. If he is unable to do so, then it's time to be honest and admit that the only real alternative to Tory policies and Westminster's cost of living crisis is by voting SNP to build a fairer, wealthier future with the full powers of independence. And that article was by James Walker. From the National, Monday the 14th of August 2023, from the news section, Michelle Moen linked PPE MedPro Facing Investigation Calls Article by James Walker A leading tax lawyer has called for an investigation into the ownership of the PPE firm that received more than £200 million of taxpayers' money during the COVID-19 pandemic. Baroness Michelle Moan and her husband Douglas Barrowman were accused of lobbying Westminster during the pandemic, resulting in a firm linked to them, PPE MedPro, receiving taxpayer-funded COVID contracts via the UK government's VIP lane. Now, Dan Needle, the founder of the Tax Policy Associates think tank, has asked whether PPE MedPro has complied with laws that require all firms to register the name of the person who controls them. After analysing their filings at Companies House, he noted to the Times that the firm recently replaced one accountant with links to Barrowman as a person with significant control, PSC with another associate of Barrowman's. It has been required since 2016 to declare a company's real owners, or PSC. Failure to do so could result in prosecution and being jailed for up to two years or fined an unlimited amount. Last weekend, the Sunday Times reported that a key aide to the couple, Anthony Page, was sacked by PPE Medro in May. He was also dismissed from Barrowman's Knox Group for alleged gross misconduct, which he denies. Page, who had been listed as a director and sole shareholder of PPE Medro, or PSC, was replaced in these roles by Arthur Lancaster, another Barrowman business associate. Needle argues that Page would have remained the PSC despite being fired by the Knox Group if he had been the true owner of the company. Needle wrote in the Times, If, as appears to have happened, the Knox Group had the power to remove Mr Page as shareholder slash director of PPE MedPro and replace him with Mr Lancaster. Then the Knox Group and Douglas Barrowman as the person who controls the Knox Group had significant influence or control over PPE MedPro and Mr Barrowman should have been listed as a PSC. If the Knox Group was acting for some other unknown party then they should also have been listed as a PSC. The NCA said the NCA did not routinely confirm or deny the existence of investigations or the names of those who may or may not be under investigation. 
Page declined to comment to the Times. In an email to the Sunday Times, the Barrowman Private Office disputed the interpretation of the accounts. And the article was by James Walker. From the National, Monday the 14th of August 2023, from the Politics section, Exclusive, Patrick Harvey says Green's electoral success scares some people. Article by Adam Robertson. One of the Scottish Greens co-leaders has said that the party's electoral success scares some people in response to recent attacks on the power-sharing deal with the SNP. It comes following the news that some backbench SNP MSPs are unhappy with the Butte House Agreement, according to a report in the Herald. However, writing exclusively for the National, Patrick Harvey said some of those criticising the party came from the right wing of the independence movement, while others are former Greens who have never really embraced the social or economic dimension of Green politics. The Glasgow MSP also insisted that the SNP-Green cooperation deal is the biggest asset for delivering Scottish independence and keeping the issue on the agenda. He also branded the attacks as predictable and desperate in a comment piece for the National. Speaking to the Sunday Mail, Harper said that the party had become careless and cocky and that it was really important for Labour to get into power at both Holyrood and Westminster. Harvey said, Unprecedented electoral success has brought us the opportunity to put policies into practice as never before. And that scares some people. Some of them are from the right wing of the independence movement, who never moved on from Scotland's oil generations, despite the reality of the climate emergency of fossil fuels have caused. Sadly, some are even former Greens who never really embraced the social or economic dimension of Green politics and wanted us to be a little more than an environmental pressure group. Both these viewpoints end up helping only the status quo and the parties which aim to protect it. Harvey said the Tories had manufactured a toxic culture war against marginalised minorities because they are expecting defeat at the next general election. He also took aim at Labour, saying they have been grazing in the wilderness for so long that some have forgotten what it's like to govern, while others are terrified of offering any kind of change at all. In recent weeks, several senior SNP figures have been amongst those to speak out about the Butte House Agreement, calling for members to be allowed to vote at an upcoming party conference in October. Former Finance Secretary Kate Forbes said she felt that the SNP should check in with members on how they felt about the deal. Elsewhere, the party's political convener, Tony Giuliano, called for transparency amongst any members who spoke out against the deal. And that article was an exclusive by Adam Robertson. From the National, Monday the 14th of August 2023, from the news section, Scottish teen told she'd never play bagpipes leads big band parade. Article by Xander Eliards. A wheeled piper, who was told she would never be able to play the bagpipes, proved the critics wrong as she led more than 100 musicians through Glasgow. Katie Robertson was at the head of the 2023 Big Band on Monday as the Piping Life Festival really got underway. Around 30,000 people are expected to attend the programme of events as the Piping Festival returns for its 20th anniversary year. On Monday, the Piping Live Big Band performed its sixth showcase, this time in honour of the Versus Arthritis charity, and Robertson was at its head. 
Appearing as part of the big band for the first time, Robertson said she had started playing the bagpipes two years ago and it had helped save her life. She said, When I found out I needed life-threatening and saving spinal fusion surgery for severe scoliosis, I became determined to progress in the pipes. It was my piping that saved me, both physically as my lungs were stronger and mentally because it was the best medicine. I suffered from arthritis in half since I was four, so this year's charitable cause is one that's close to my heart. I was told I would never play the pipes, but I've been able to prove, prove those doubters wrong, and I've had the chance to play with some of my biggest inspirations over the last two years. The wheeled piper went on. Most importantly, I feel connected in a community that accepts me for my love of music. That's, that's why participating in the big band is such an amazing opportunity. It's a way for me to support a charity that helps people like me. It's changing perceptions on what anyone can do too, focusing on what you can do, not what you can't. I can't walk, but piping's more impressive anyway. The big band marched from Mansfield Park in Partick to Kelvin Grove Art Gallery Museum. Finally, MacDonald, the artistic director for Piping Live, said, The big band is such a fitting way to get the Piping Live celebrations underway welcoming pipers and drummers of all ages and abilities to play together and entertain the people of Glasgow. The inclusive and celebratory nature of this march really epitomises what the festival is all about and heralds in a fantastic week ahead of our 20th edition. We've got an incredible programme of world-class performances, music sessions, recitals, talks, competitions, book launches, workshops and so much more to look forward to over the coming days. I would like to say a huge thank you to everyone who's contributed to the lineup and made this year's festival possible. Whether you've bought a ticket, donated or are performing, working or volunteering at Piping Life 2023, we couldn't do it without you. You can really feel the buzz of anticipation in the air for this year's event. We would encourage anyone interested to get down and experience all that the world's biggest piping festival has to offer. Piping Live 2023 will run from August the 12th to 20th. You can find out more at www.pipinglive.co.uk That's www.pipinglive.co.uk and that article was written by Xander Eliards. From the National, Tuesday the 15th of October 2023, from the Culture Section, Exclusive Interview, Edinburgh Fringe, Calling Cloud on the 10 Things That Changed His Life, Story by Adam Robertson. Adam Robertson spoke with mentalist Colin Cloud on the 10 Things That Changed His Life. 1. Cats. They have travelled the world with me through Glasgow, Edinburgh, London, Paris, New York and now Vegas. They are the one thing I feel has kept me sane and grounded and, in amongst all this performing world, they are the constant that has been there the last few years. I very much love them and how calming they are, but also crazy at three in the morning. I think my cats are my world. I had three, but sadly one had to get put down this year, so now I've got two, and they're both wonderful and glorious. I think at some point at this year I will adopt a third, but that needs to be after I get back from Edinburgh. Two, 
running. I would say 8 or 9 years ago, I used to be somewhere between 60 and 70 pounds heavier than I am right now. Literally running both physically and mentally completely changed my life. To begin with, I couldn't do it. I could run for a minute and was gubbed it and that was me. But then I built up a tolerance and now I get a bit of guilt if I don't go running pretty much every day. I will say off the back of running, my energy on stage and thus my performances I think have got better. I've got more energy just throughout the day in general. I'm able to get way more done. 3. My mentors I've been very lucky at certain points of my life to be surrounded by the perfect person to teach me what I thought I needed to be taught at that moment. Growing up doing mentalism and mind reading, there was a guy in Edinburgh called Drew McAdam. He was my first mentor when I was a young teenager. He very kindly took me under his wing and really got me on stage performing for real people which was a breakthrough moment. Then, at university, I met a guy called Gavin Oates who is the managing director and lead speaker of a training organisation called Tree of Knowledge. I was part of a buyout of that company and we ended up in Dragon's Den to build it up. He is the funniest, naturally funniest person I've ever met and I performed with him for years. Learning the rhythm of an audience with him was amazing. When it comes to creating, there's two guys, Mark Elston and Ryan Davidson. The latter is a Glaswegian-based magician and Mark is in Wales. Coming to America, there's my co-writer and co-director in everything, David Gerard. These people I've been lucky enough to bump into have helped me absorb new techniques and strategies that I needed to take on board to grow as a performer. 4. The Edinburgh Festival Growing up surrounded by hundreds of shows and performers was insane. To be absorbed by so many gifted, talented artists was so lucky. I've always felt the way comedians connect with an audience through their words and presence has always fascinated me more than magic and mentalism, to be honest. I've often felt that with magic people are hiding behind the tricks, whereas with comedy it's all out in the open and I've learned a lot from that approach when it comes to being present and connecting with people. I think I used to hide behind the demonstration. 5. Sherlock Holmes Without discovering those books in my school library, I would not be doing any of this now. When I first opened the book now, I opened to a page where he was doing the cool stuff and just deducing what people were thinking. The way the books are written, it sounded like this guy actually existed because they're written from the perspective of Dr. Watson. I was like P7, and because it was based in Edinburgh University and tying in with all that Conan Doyle, I thought, oh, S asterisk asterisk T, this guy is real. It was like finding out Santa doesn't exist. But I love this idea of being able to deduce things and it got me really into science and taking part in the TV and working out how to put it back together. And then I discovered psychology. That then led me to understanding people and learning all about hypnosis and it just kind of came from that. It all stems from Sherlock Holmes who could do these near superhuman things. I built a career out of replicating things he would do. 6. My girlfriend, Jenna. I think I'm quite, I'll be polite, a difficult person to be around with how obsessed I am with stuff and how my brain is always active. I'm so lucky my job is my passion, it is my hobby and guilty pleasure, and I'm always thinking about doing better demonstrations, 
jokes, tricks. The fact she's willing to tolerate and be involved with that, and she's a psychologist herself, which helps that she understands the world, that world, and gives very valid input. I feel like I've been very lucky to find someone there who's not only very impressive, but also someone who's willing to be as passionate about stuff as I am. It comes back to who you surround yourself and how that dictates your success. When you do that with people who are that supportive, it lends to better work, results and performances. 7. America Coming here and making a name for myself has been massive. The fact I started at the Edinburgh Festival and went on to the West End with the Illusionists and then they brought me to US to tour with them, which led to America's Got Talent, all the TV shows here and being on Broadway and then to the Las Vegas Strip. Performing here has changed my life. I think I've done more shows here than I've done anywhere else in the world, including Scotland. The learnings that I've had here, the number of times I got getting stage per year is insane. American audiences are very different. They seem more willing to express their emotion than your typical Scottish person might be. So I'm so lucky that I get to be on stage every night in front of 1,300 people. 8. My parents. I know some people in the performing world and they have horror stories of their parents growing up and a lot of their content and comedy comes from that. I'm kind of annoyed my parents were really supportive in that regard. No matter what I wanted to do, I went to university at 15 and started at 16, which they supported. I didn't want to use my degree though, I wanted to tour the world and they supported that. My favourite gig of all time is performing at the Royal Variety and the act before me was the Killers who played Mr Brightside, so I had to follow that, but my parents came down and watched that. The fact they were in the room for my favourite performance in London, with all that going on, was amazing. It was me saying I'm glad you guys trusted me and this is you seeing it has paid off. 9. Homesickness I just have an awareness of missing home. I know I've spoken about America but I still love Scotland, Glasgow and the Edinburgh Festival. I look forward to the day where I've done everything I want here and can move back there. I have that real awareness of just how much I love everything about Scotland. As fun as America is, I'm very excited for the day all the boxes have been ticked here. Maybe I can open my cat cafe or something, that might be the dream. 10. Taylor Swift I think I just have a love of music and how much I love the ability music has to play with your mindset, your mood, your thinking. As someone who is really into understanding how people think, music in general has so much power but Taylor Swift is just so impressive. The fact she creates all her own music and writes her own stuff. It's incredible what she's done and achieved. I'm obsessed with her music and I am very excited to see her play live. I love just watching amazing performers and seeing someone who has, just, who has crafted everything she presents and performs to fill stadiums the way she does. As someone who is also a performer, nowhere near that level, you can't help but admire what she has created. It's just phenomenal. I know pretty much every lyric to every song and there's no shame there whatsoever. I love listening to new music, especially when I run a lot. As told to Adam Robertson, 
Colin Cloud, After Dark, is on at the Fringe from August the 17th to 21st and tickets can be found at tickets.edfringe.com. This is from The National on Wednesday the 16th of August from the Politics section. Humza Yousaf, pro-independence majority is a strength, not a weakness. This article is written by Abby Garton Crosby. Holyrood's pro-independence majority is a strength, not a weakness, the First Minister has said, in defence of the Butte House Agreement with the Scottish Greens. Humza Yousaf was speaking during a Holyrood Sources live podcast event in Edinburgh on Tuesday night, where he told the audience that the cooperation deal would remain intact until 2026, the next scheduled Scottish Parliament election. The First Minister insisted that the political stability brought by the power-sharing deal was worth its weight in gold. He also said he believed that the Scottish Greens pushed the SNP to go further to embed tackling the climate crisis in their legislation, but refuted the suggestion that the junior party in the government were taking the SNP for a ride. Yousaf also suggested that his win during the SNP leadership, where he vocally supported continuing the Butte House Agreement, signed by Nicola Sturgeon in 2021, meant there had been a recent check-in with the membership. There have been repeated calls for members to be allowed a vote on whether or not the Butte House Agreement should continue during summer recess. While he said he was not in charge of the agenda for the upcoming SNP conference in October, Yousaf said he thought a vote on it would be unlikely. Asked what he was going to do to arrest that perception in regards to the Scottish Greens and the current arrangements, which gave co-leaders Patrick Harvey and Lorna Slater ministerial roles in the Scottish Government, he pointed to the recent decision to scrap highly protected marine areas after a backlash from fishing communities. He told the podcast, Let's remember we're the ones in the Scottish Government who have, for example, changed course in relation to HPMAs. We heard the community's response vocally about that. Ultimately, again, before the UK government took action in relation to vetoing and talking down the DRS, Deposit Return Scheme, when I came in, and we said, right, we need to listen to our business community around the readiness of that scheme. So let's delay, let's make changes, let's listen to those business concerns. They are absolutely legitimate. Yousaf said that he accepted that while voters may not care about electoral processes, they do care if legislation is passed because it impacts them. He continued, For those that do business in independence, like me, having a pro-independence majority in Parliament, I think is an absolute strength, not a weakness. I actually think genuinely this is more of a bubble story, I'm sorry to say. It does not get reference to me on many doorsteps. It comes up on occasion for sure. It comes up when I speak to them about the A96 in the North East. So it definitely comes up. But I have to say it is not number one, number two, number three issue that comes up time and time again. Asked if the Scottish Greens exert influence on the Scottish Government, Yousaf pointed out that there was no doubt 
because they are part of the Scottish Government. Probed if that was too much influence, he replied, No, I believe they absolutely have influence. I believe they push us to go further on certain issues. Yousaf refuted that the Scottish Greens pushed the SNP to go further than they'd like, but admitted that they had pushed them to go further than their original manifesto promises. Perhaps further than we thought we'd go, but not further than we'd like, he said. When it was suggested that this might be difficult for voters who voted for the SNP manifesto at the Holyrood election, Yousaf said, No, I don't think it is because people want to see political parties work together. We have the agreement, this cooperation agreement. We were voted in as a minority government. We have to accept that, not far off from a majority, but as a minority government. Therefore, the message is you should cooperate with other political parties to progress your political agenda. Earlier, Yousaf told the podcast that there are some policies that were excluded from the Butte House Agreement, because both parties disagreed, adding that despite they were working together in the best interests of Scotland. He added that there were pragmatic reasons for the agreement, such as getting legislation passed. That article was written by Abby Garton Crosby. This is from The National on Wednesday the 16th of August from the News section. Popular Scottish ferry route cancelled for the rest of 2023. This article is written by Zander Eliards. Calmac has announced that one of its routes will be cancelled for the rest of the year. In July, the ferry operator said its Ardrossan to Campbelltown sailing was due to return on August the 24th. And in June, Calmac estimates that the MV Hebridean Isles, the boat which sails the route, should be back in service around July the 27th. But deadline after deadline has been missed, and the operator has now said that the service will be cancelled for the remainder of the year. The Adrossan to Campbelltown route only runs in the summer timetable, and the MV Hebridean Isles will not be back in service in time for the end of the season. In a statement, Calmac said, As a result of vessel deployments and the ongoing issues with MV Hebridean Isles, this service will unfortunately be cancelled for the remainder of the summer period. We do apologise to our customers and the community for this outcome. MV Hebridean Isles is currently berthed in air, following the most recent trials and inspections to fix her manoeuvrability issue. Further repairs to the vessel are being investigated to find a permanent fix, and the vessel will remain at air until a location for further maintenance has been confirmed. Please be assured that we will contact all customers with an affected booking as soon as possible. Calmark's winter timetable kicks in from October the 23rd. The firm said bookings on the Adrossan to Campbelltown may have already been made up to September the 25th, and any customers with such a reservation would be contacted. MV Alfred will continue to operate between Adrossan and Broderick on Arran, alongside MV Caledonian Isles. The MV Isle of Arran will continue to operate alongside MV Finlagen on a two-vessel service on Isla. 
That article was written by Zander Eliards. This is from The National on Wednesday the 16th of August from the News section. Scottish Tree Named in UK Tree of the Year Competition This article is written by James Walker. A Scottish tree has been named as a contender in the Woodland Trust's annual Tree of the Year competition. The 250-300 to 300 year old walnut tree on the outskirts of Perth stands proudly in a car park on the A9 at Inveralmond. This year's competition focuses on ancient trees in urban environments with 13 entries vying for the title and chance to represent the UK in the European Tree of the Year competition. The winner will be announced on October the 19th. George Anderson of Woodland Trust Scotland said, This tree will be known to both Perth residents and people who travel north to the Highlands on the A9. It stands opposite an M&S food hall in a busy car park. It is an exceptionally attractive tree, offering an oasis of calm among the bustle. We highly recommend stepping under its canopy for a bit of time out if you are passing. It exemplifies the importance of trees in urban areas. Other top contenders include one of UK's most famous elms, a lakeside holm oak in Leamington Spa, and a tree thought to be the oldest in Northern Ireland. Naomi Tilly, lead campaigner at the Woodland Trust, said, Most ancient trees aren't protected by law, and those in urban areas are particularly vulnerable, like one of this year's nominees, which narrowly escaped being cut down by Sheffield City Council in 2017. That article was written by James Walker. This is from The National on Wednesday the 16th of August from the news section. South Ayrshire Council issues update on avian flu bird deaths. This article is written by Hamish Morrison. A council has warned the public not to be alarmed by the sight of PPE-wearing staff collecting bird carcasses infected with bird flu as another Scottish outbreak was confirmed. South Ayrshire Council sent workers out in protective kit on Tuesday to collect the bird bodies littered around the area. The local authority confirmed the birds were infected with avian flu and warned the public not to touch any dead or sick birds. People were also advised to avoid touching the feathers of wild birds or surfaces contaminated with bird droppings. In a Twitter thread, the council said, Sadly, avian flu has been confirmed in dead wild birds found in Ayrshire. Our waste management team will be taking steps to remove the birds from public areas. As part of this process, they need to wear personal protective equipment, so please don't be alarmed if you see them while they are uplifting the birds. Avian flu poses a low risk to humans. However, we would ask that you... Don't touch any dead or sick birds. Don't touch wild bird feathers or surfaces contaminated with wild bird droppings. Keep children away from dead or sick birds. Keep dogs and other animals away from the birds. Wash your hands with soap and water. Use hand sanitizer and clean and disinfect your footwear 
if you come into contact with wild birds. If you come in contact with wild, dead or sick birds and develop flu-like symptoms, then contact your GP or dial 111. Members of the public were also advised to call the local authorities' waste management team on 0300-123-0900. In early January, the Scottish Government imposed an avian flu prevention zone across the country to stem the spread of the potentially deadly virus. It was lifted in July, and the public was warned that while the risk of catching bird flu remained low, there was still some danger, and bird keepers were encouraged to keep stringent biosecurity protections in place. There have been no recorded deaths caused by bird flu in Britain since 2003, according to the World Health Organization, and a total of 458 deaths from the virus globally in the last decade. That article was written by Hamish Morrison. This is from The National on Wednesday the 16th of August from the Politics section. The role of GERS figures in the Scottish independence debate. This article is written by Judith Duffy. The Annual Government Expenditure and Revenue Scotland, GERS, report has long been a key battleground in the debate on Scottish independence. The statistics published by the Scottish Government estimate the difference between what Scotland raises in taxation and what is spent on public services. It invariably brings pronouncements from pro-union supporters and politicians about how they show the huge benefits of the UK claiming Scotland can only afford the levels of public spending because it is in the UK. But those from the yes side argue they cannot be taken as a starting point for an independent Scotland, or be used to show the direction of Scotland's finances once it leaves the UK, which would ultimately depend on the policies followed and how debt and assets are divided up. Economists at Strathclyde University's Fraser of Allender Institute say that claims on both sides of the argument can often be based in misinterpretations of how the statistics are produced and presented. For example, they argue it is wrong to dismiss the figures because they partly rely on estimation, which is a common practice in economic statistics. However, in a guide published on the issue, the economists emphasise that GERS reflects the position under the current constitutional settlement, rather than looking at potential scenarios under independence. It is a backward-looking estimate of spending and revenues in the previous financial year, it states. This means that if an independent Scotland would bring about structural changes to the economy and society, the figures in GERS say little about the long-term finances of an independent Scotland. The post goes on. The possible financial costs and risks, or savings, and opportunities of implementing a new constitutional framework are naturally not considered in GERS. Similarly, it does not report on the effects of faster or slower economic growth in an independent Scotland. An independent Scotland would also be subject to new macroeconomic risks and opportunities that would have to be managed.
The role of GERS is not to estimate the impact on Scotland's public finances of such changes. So, while GERS cannot really tell us anything about a future independent Scotland, they can be used as a starting point for discussion about public finances. One example of this is that it was used by the SNP's Growth Commission to help draw up its blueprint for the finances of an independent Scotland. That article was written by Judith Duffy. From the National, Thursday the 17th of August 2023, from the News Around 100 workers at Moss Morin withdraw the labour over safety fears. Article by Abby Garton-Crosby Around 100 workers at ExxonMobil's petrochemical plant in Moss Morin have withdrawn their labour in a dispute over health and safety concerns, their union has said. Unite said that around 200 members of staff downed tools at the Fife plant on Tuesday over health and safety fears. However, ExxonMobil disputed the figure and said it was around half of that, representing a minority of the workforce. The union claims warning signs and procedures were not in full operation across the plant. According to the union, the workforce was not informed of this, nor were any procedures put in place to protect them. Workers have, been, have reported repeated examples of the, over the past year of alarm systems not being in working order in areas of the plant, the union said. Workers had not been notified about the status of the alarms, it added. The union is now calling on the health and safety executive to investigate the claims. The health and safety safety executive said it is now making inquiries with the site operator. Workers must be legally notified of any alarm failure in the event of any leakages, blasts or exposure to hazardous materials and chemicals in the plant. The workers have withdrawn their labour under the Employment Rights Act 1996, sections 44 and 100, the union said. The legislation allows workers to have the right to withdraw from and refuse to return to an unsafe workplace without losing any wages. However, according to the union, ExxonMobil and other contractors on site have refused to pay workers following their walkout. Unite will robustly defend the legal right of our members to withdraw their labour over health and safety concerns at ExxonMobil's most modern plant. Sharon Graham, Unite the General General Secretary, said It is completely unacceptable that the company and the various contractors on site are refusing to pay our members their wages. This is a legal duty and not open to interpretation. Our members will be receiving their union's unflinching support. Unite members at Moss Modern are employed on construction engineering maintenance contracts split between three different contractors at the plant. Altrad, Billfinger and Kiefer. They have now called on HSE to launch an investigation after various recorded incidents at the plant over safety. Unite's members working for Altrad, Belfinger and Kiefer at the most modern plant are rightly furious at potentially being exposed to dangerous chemicals due to failings in the plant's safety procedures. Bob McGregor, Unite Industrial Officer, added. To add insult to injury, ExxonMobil and the contractors are refusing to pay the wages of the workers following the withdrawal of labour 
on health and safety grounds. This is not an isolated incident. These safety breaches and failings have been ongoing for around a year and nothing to date has been resolved. That's why Unite is calling for the Health and Safety Executive to urgently intervene due to the seriousness of the claims and the chequered history of the plant. Mark Ruskell, Scottish Greens MSP for Mid-Scotland and Fife, who has published a report calling for a just transition for workers at the site, said ExxonMobil should hang their heads in shame that workers have been forced into taking strict action to protect their safety. Most Morin has had a worrying record on both safety and environmental compliance with both the Health and Safety Executive and SEPA stepping in to take legal action in recent years. HSE must step up again and urgently investigate these latest concerns. It's time for the plant operators to invest in safety and decarbonisation work rather than paying out vast shareholder dividends. Workers must be at the heart of plans for a just transition at Mossmorin. They cannot be an afterthought. An ExxonMobil spokesperson said, We are aware of unofficial action instigated by a small number of individuals employed by contracting companies on our site. There is no impact on our operations, which continue as normal. Fife Esseline Plant operates in full compliance with approved site safety standards and procedures. The firm claimed that the individuals involved in the action attended the site on Thursday and remained there all day. An HSE spokesperson said, We are aware of the safety-related concerns being raised by union and employee representatives on site. We are now making inquiries with the site operator. We previously told how local residents were proved right after raising concerns over the health and environmental impact of flaring at the plant. And that article was by Abby Garton Crosby. From the National, Thursday the 17th of August 2023, from the news section, Douglas Ross launches attack on junior doctors with politicisation claim. Article by Abby Garton Crosby Douglas Ross has accused English junior doctors of politicising their demands for pay because they dislike the Tory UK government. The Scottish Tory leader told the Scotsman that he believed NHS staff south of the border wanted to make their pay a political issue. The MP and MSP was asked why the UK government would not offer the same pay deal to junior doctors in England as had been accepted in Scotland. Junior doctors and dentists from the British Medical Association, BMA, Scotland, accepted a record pay offer on Wednesday. They accepted a 12.4% pay increase with a commitment to future years pay rising, pay rising in line with inflation, averting the threat of strikes. The agreement means that Scotland became the only part of the UK to avoid NHS strikes. In England, Junior doctors have been offered a 6% rise with an additional consolidated £1,250 increase. The UK government described this as an average increase of around 8.8%, but it has been rejected, with staff walking out over several days. Speaking at a visit to businesses in Ayrshire, Ross claimed junior doctors in England had the chance to accept the same deal as Scottish doctors, but rejected it. He told the Scotsman, We've actually seen when the junior doctor representatives in England were asked would they accept the very same deal that's now been accepted. 
They said no because they want to make this a political issue against a Conservative government at a UK level rather than getting a deal that works for junior doctors and gets them back to work. Ross said he believed junior doctors accepted that those campaigning for a pay rise had politicised the row. He added, They were asked distinctly, would you accept the very same offer that has been made to Scottish junior doctors? And they said no, because they want to make this an issue against the government. That's not me saying this, that's an admission from their leadership. I'm not part of the negotiations for the UK government, but I know there have been a number of offers made, but even if that offer were made, the exact same as what's been offered here in Scotland, they have said they would not accept it because they want to keep challenging the UK government. The Scottish deal has never been formally offered to junior doctors in England. The UK government has repeatedly said the recent offer, several percent below the deal offered to Scottish doctors and without a commitment to increase pay in line with inflation, is the final offer. Ross was also asked why Scottish Tory health spokesperson Sandesh Gulhane, who announced he had been selected to fight for a Westminster seat at the next general election, was allowed to keep his French bench role. Stephen Kerr, a rival to Ross for the party leadership, lost his role as education spokesperson when he was selected to fight for a Westminster seat earlier this year. Ross said Gulhane was uniquely placed to keep his role due to his job as a GP. I want to make sure we have that experience leading the fight from the Conservative benches, holding the SNP government to account on healthcare, he said. In a recent YouGov poll, the Scottish Tories were languishing behind on 15% of the vote, seven points down from the result in the 2021 Holyrood election. The survey also suggested the party would lose almost half of its seats at the next Scottish Parliament election in 2026, dropping from 31 MSPs to 16. Ross said he was absolutely the right man for the leadership position and added he believed the Tories could increase their number of Scottish MPs at the next UK-wide ballot. And that article was by Abby Garton-Crosby. From the National, Thursday the 17th of August 2023, from the politics section, ex-Scottish Labour chief, I can't argue for the union like I used to. Article by Steph Braun Ex-Scottish Labour leader, Keziah Dugdale, has admitted she can no longer argue for the union as she did in 2014. Dugdale, who left the party four years ago, appeared as part of a panel alongside journalist and broadcaster Leslie Riddick at the Edinburgh International Book Festival, where she was asked about her views on independence and whether she thought there would be another referendum in Scotland in the next decade. The former MSP admitted she had moved on the independence issue and said she could not stand up for the union in the same way as she did as part of the Better Together movement in 2014. At one stage, although she appeared to stop short of switching to yes outright, she hinted if she was presented with the option of Scottish independence in Europe against little Boris Brexit Britain, she would vote yes. Asked if she thought there would be an independence referendum in the next decade, Dugdale said, I don't, because I don't think either a Labour or Conservative government will concede a referendum. I don't think Scotland will have the chance to have its say again in that period. If you're presented with the binary choice of an independent Scotland in a progressive Europe, 
or little Boris Brexit Britain, I know where my cards would fall down, and I also know I couldn't argue with the same strength for the Union that I did in 2014, now. That doesn't mean I'm ready to vote yes, there are big questions we need to debate as a country. I have moved on independence. I wouldn't say I'm on the fence, but I have certainly moved. I certainly understand the case for independence much better than I did. Dugdale, who is married to SNP Cabinet Secretary Jenny Gilruth, said she was now surrounded by nationalists on a regular basis in a very good way and talked about the country's future with them all the time. When Ruddock said it was outrageous, the main reason independence won't happen is not because most people don't want it, but because Westminster won't allow a vote. Dugdale nodded her head in agreement. The ex-Lothian Region Representative, who is now Director of the John Smith Centre for Public Service at the University of Glasgow, added she had a great deal of ill-feeling towards the Labour Party's inability to make the case for benefits of the UK and Europe. She said, It's my European politics, it means I'm not a member of the Labour Party anymore. I believe in unions of people and unions of nations, and I've got a great deal of ill-feeling towards the Labour Party's inability to make the case for the benefits of the UK and Europe, not just in the lead-up to the EU referendum, but in the days afterwards, where we had the potential to limit the damage we all experienced. Asked if she was disappointed with Keir Starmer's stance on Brexit, she said she was, but added she still understood he was trying to win an election. I desperately want him to win this election because I want the Tories out of office. She told a crowd at the Edinburgh College of Art. I think there are many people in this room who want an independent Scotland and want to see the back of this current government. And that article was by Steph Braun. From the National, Thursday the 17th of August 2023. From the News section, Home Office detained Sterling Uni student sick and can't eat. An exclusive by Hamish Morrison. A Stirling University student has said he is sick and hungry in a Home Office detention centre in Scotland as pressure builds on the UK government to reveal why he has been detained for more than two months. Speaking directly with the press for the first time, Mohamed Ralph Varis told The National he believed immigration officers had detained him without good reason and that he was suffering mentally and physically within the Dungavel Immigration Removal Centre in South Lanarkshire. Waris, 26, said he had left his mother and six sisters in his native Pakistan to study business management in Stirling so he could expand his family dairy farm in the country and believed the Scottish University was one of the best places he could further his education. Speaking over the phone from the detention centre near Strathaven, Waris said he had been refused proper medical attention by staff at the facility and wanted to return to his studies. He said he had been commuting between Stirling and Rutherglen, where he was staying while in Scotland, and that he had been working in a grocery shop in Glasgow, where the Home Office alleged he was working over the legally permitted number of hours. Waris was then arrested by officers at his place of work on June 15 and has been in Home Office custody since then. Foreigners studying in the UK can work up to 20 hours in a student visa. A limit Home Office sources said they have credible evidence to prove Waris has breached, although they have refused to share this with the National. 
asked if he had hopes of being released soon. Waris replied, To be honest, I don't know, because I am in a mental torture. I don't know what's wrong with me. He added, I am already suffering the sickness. When I try to eat, I have just a little bit to bite to eat. I even request a doctor so to refer me to a hospital. But she said according to our examination, you don't need it. I don't know why she said it. I am on medication more than two months. Anxiety, stress, sleeping, painkillers morning and in the night time. He said once he is released, he hoped to complete his studies and move to a PhD, adding it was unlikely he would stay in the UK for this. Waris added, I am still suffering. My mother and my sisters are suffering and pray for me. I out as soon as possible. Right now is a very stressful moment of my life and my family. I am a student. I need to make my degree. My degree is my priority and my goal and my ambition. Denise Okan, a senior solicitor, McGlashan Mackay, said Waris's lawyers at the Glasgow firm had been ignored when they presented the Home Office with evidence he had not worked over the legally permitted time. She said, Detention should be used as a last resort and only when removal is imminent. Despite this, Mr Waris has been detained for over six weeks with no removal directions having been set. The representations that we have made, along with evidence to substantiate our client's claim that he was not working in breach of his student visa, have gone unanswered without the courtesy of a reply for the entirety of his time in detention. This is of real concern. We are preparing grounds for challenge by way of judicial review and have a bail hearing listed for this coming Tuesday. A Home Office spokesperson said, Illegal working causes untold harm to our communities, cheating honest workers out of employment, putting vulnerable people at risk and defrauding the public purse. The government is tackling illegal immigration and the harm it causes by removing those with no right to be in the UK. In that article was an exclusive by Hamish Morrison. From the National, Thursday the 17th of August 2023, from the Culture section, Organisers claims Second Edinburgh Venue cancels Graham Linehan gig. Article by Ross Hunter. The organisers of a previously cancelled comedy gig in Edinburgh have claimed that a second venue has also refused to host the show. Originally, Leith Archies was scheduled to accommodate the Comedy Unleashed show. However, after organisers announced that the surprise famous cancelled comedian on the lineup was none other than anti-trans comedian Graham Linehan, the venue said it would not allow him to violate their space. Linehan has previously been criticised for his opinions on transgender people. Earlier this year, he said that gender identity was a paedophilic movement and claimed that almost every central trans figure is a nonce. Following the cancellation, various figures leapt to Linehan's defence, including SNP MP Joanna Cherry, who said the move looked like a pretty clear case of belief discrimination. Comedy Unleashed later claimed to have found a replacement venue willing to host the show, with Linehan remaining on the lineup. However, just hours before the gig was due to begin on Thursday evening, organisers announced on X slash Twitter that a third location had to be found. They said, Our replacement venue has cancelled on us too. 
But we're still going ahead tonight at 7.30. Ticket holders have been emailed with a new location. It is not known which venue cancelled the event. That report was by Ross Hunter. From the National, Thursday the 17th of August 2023. From the news section, exclusive Scottish police reveal position on spy powers amid SNP MI5 claims by Hamish Morrison. Police have refused to say whether they have used spy powers against Scottish politicians amid accusations spooks had infiltrated the SNP and the government at the highest levels. Police Scotland said the force would not discuss its use of the Investigatory Powers Act, which regulates spying on MPs and MSPs, after a former SNP MSP made serious accusations the British state was spying on nationalists. It comes as former SNP Campbell Martin, who made waves earlier this week with his accusations MI5 agents had infiltrated and were controlling the SNP, made fresh claims in an interview with this paper that spying activity exploded with the creation of the Scottish Parliament. In 1999, the SNP became the second largest party in Scotland, the closest they had come to power in their existence. Martin, who was an SNP MSP between 2003 and 2007, but was a Holyrood staffer from day one of the Parliament, said the party began to attract increased surveillance from the security services from 1999 onwards. Martin refused to identify those he believed to be spies, citing concerns for his safety. Though claimed they worked as politicians, civil servants and within SNP HQ. Speaking to The National, he said the belief that SNP had been spied on from the mid-20th century onwards was common within the party, adding, but when it started to build and began to become a threat to the British state, then they really infiltrated the party. They put people in. There is a difference between the agents and assets, and back then, in a sense, these people who listened at branch meetings and passed information back to the British states, the agents were people who placed on the SNP to, to a specific task, and the task was to undermine the cause of independence. That began to happen in 99. He added, Some of the people in 1999 were relatively lowly, they were maybe staffers at headquarters, but they became, they moved out into the higher echelons of the party into the, in the intervening years. And that's why, when they were able to influence party policy and direction, and I would argue that's one of the reasons why you have the party pursuing policies that are very unpopular, instead of concentrating on independence. He went on, after the 99 election, because the SNP was the official opposition, we were allocated the whole second floor of the offices, the temporary offices at the top of the Royal Mile, before they built the new Scottish Parliament. That's when me and three or four other SNP MSPs we actually looked at some of the people on the same floor and thought, these people aren't nationalists, there's something going on here. And there were people from headquarters as well who were appearing at the Parliament that nobody had ever heard of. Martin's claims are extraordinary, but they are partially backed by former Health Secretary Alex Neil, who said he also believed the SNP had been infiltrated, but that spies had not influenced party policy. Martin, who is no longer a member of any party, added, I kind of laugh when I see the argument put forward by SNP loyalists because what they're saying then is we've not been infiltrated, we're just crap. Neil, 
who served at the top levels of the Scottish government between 2012 and 2016, said, It's not a secret that the intelligence services were looking at the SNP in the early 40s, when the party membership was measured in hundreds rather than thousands. Probably. They've had some kind of monitoring facility since then. I think probably Campbell's right. Clearly, when we had 75 seats in 1999, that's probably when they thought the threat was more serious. But I think the real threat would be when we gained an overall majority in 2011, where they would have really started to get worried, and I think they'd have been very worried when it looked as if we might win the referendum. Neil, still a member of the SNP, though notably critical of its current leadership, added, I'm absolutely sure they're still monitoring it, the SNP, and there will be people in the party and maybe even in the government, either civil servants or politicians, who have friends in high places. But he rejected Martin's claims the party's position on issues such as trans rights and the doomed deposit return scheme, of which both men are critics, had been pushed by spooks. I think MI5 is much more subtle than that, he added. A Police Scotland spokesperson said, We do not discuss our operational use of the Investigatory Powers Act. This area of policing is strictly controlled by legislation and national guidelines, where high thresholds of necessity and proportionality must be reached prior to any such activity. The public should be reassured that the significant safeguards which are in place and Police Scotland are regularly subject to scrutiny and independent inspection by the Investigatory Powers Commissioner's Office. The Scottish Government declined to comment. The SNP did not respond to a request for comment. The Home Office, to which the Security Service reports, has a policy of not commenting on operational matters. And the article was an exclusive by Hamish Morrison. That concludes this week's edition of the National Podcast. Please remember to subscribe to our channels at Tune Review and tell your friends about our service.